Welcome to the AlphaList podcast. I am your host, Toby. AlphaList is a closed community with over 400 CTOs who share their knowledge and experience in a Slack space and at events. With this podcast, we want to give our members and interested parties insights into the thoughts and ideas of top CTOs. If you're interested in becoming a member of the community, please visit alphalist.com to find out more on how to apply. This episode is kindly supported by Fastly, the biggest challenger in the CDN market. Fastly is pushing ahead the technical boundaries and is, from my perspective, the best solution on the market. Fastly is known as one of the key drivers of the edge cloud movement. Well-known customers of Fastly are Shopify, the New York Times, Reddit, GitHub, and many, many more. If you want to try it all with first-class support, just go to fastly.com slash alphalist. Welcome to the Alphalist podcast. I am your host, Toby. And today in the podcast, the guy who is responsible for our Germans uh, being able to take summer vacations again and uh, going into, into, into holidays and, and traveling across country borders again. It's uh, Matthias Jugel, the CTO of Uberge. And to be more precise, he's, or Uberge is responsible for the uh, German vaccination passes um, and uh, like a very time critical project that he just went through so i'm i'm happy to have him here uh, matthias that must have been like quite a stressful um time in the last weeks right yeah that's right um let's say i didn't have a weekend for about one and a half months or so so how long uh, did it did it take to to develop all that to be honest i i don't have a feeling for time anymore but um it was very quick uh, if you take a look at what we achieved. Um, so we launched on the 10th uh, of this month and we had about, I think, a month or so to actually make it happen uh, with some time before where we where we had planning and, and, and other stuff and waiting for decisions. I can imagine that this like waiting for decisions and so on is kind of in public projects, uh, a very important uh, piece. Um, and I think you also developed it together with IBM, right? That kind of feels a bit um, uh, monstrous um, uh, at first. Um, I can imagine that, it, like, especially yeah, I wouldn't the project say monstrous. management. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, so, no, no, no. Uh, Didn't mean it badly, but. The, the point is that um, uh, we as a startup um, simply are not big enough to um, get a project like this um, um, uh, on our own. So we had to team up with a bigger player and IBM asked us whether we would like to join and uh, we happily developed um, together. So um, the separation was basically IBM took over the, uh, the the role of communication and also developing the apps uh, related uh, to this project. And um, since we had worked before already on vaccination passes and test certificates, uh, we took on uh, the backend part and that's how it came to be. Okay. Um, can you maybe um, tell us a bit more about yourself, like your your personal nerd path? Um, <laughs> I always like to look at that. The nerd path. Uh, so I'm from East Germany. I um, uh, I, I wanted to, to be a computer scientist right from the beginning. 
Um, and uh, when uh, I, di I didn't get a, a, a place to study computer science because they didn't want me to. And when the, uh, when the wall came down, I had a chance and I said, now I want to, play, uh, to study computer science and change to it. And then um, very shortly after, I went to London um, to finish my studies. And um, when I came back, it was right before the big wave of computer scientists being wanted. So nobody gave me a job and I ended up at, at Fraunhofer, um, the big research uh, institution where I worked for about 14 years. Um, in between, I had two startups um, where I basically took a holiday from research and uh, made these startups in knowledge management and other stuff. And um, I also went to South Korea to uh, do a project there uh, with a very interesting side project uh, where I went to North Korea to take a look at what the computer science is, uh, is uh, done there. Um, and when I came back, I, I went to machine learning. Uh, that's how we basically have our connection um, uh, at the Technical University of Berlin um, and started a um, project uh, doing real-time data analysis together with a friend. Um, and um, after that, I started uBerge uh, uh, with Stefan Noller. And that's how it, how it all came to be. So I think it's basically a long, long way um, that uh, through research ended up in being self-employed. And um, issuing vaccination passes. <laughs> issuing <laughs> so vaccination passes, yeah. <laughs> Actually, the uh, vaccination passes are a lot about crypto. Um, and uh, at Uberge, we wanted to do crypto without the human um, part, because that's always the hard part, um, because we wanted to encrypt and uh, make data uh, verifiable uh, in machines or from machines, because machines don't ask you all these questions. And now we have something, we have a project where a lot of humans are involved. Sounds impressive. Uh, I mean, <laughs> or let's say sounds hard. <laughs> yeah, especially since crypto is very often very difficult to explain because it happens under the hood. You don't see it. So there is a security that you don't see. It's not like a key that you can put into a, uh, a lock and, and, and open something. Yeah, I I think I, or what what do you think? How many people actually understand what they get when they see the vaccination passes? I don't know, maybe ten percent or so. Very very little. And they know that they have something in the hand that allows them to travel or do something with it, but how it works is not easily explained. Um, even even to people in the tech scene, sometimes uh, it's uh, difficult because of the layers that are involved. So you have data formats, you have algorithms, um, encodings, um, and then in the end, you have something printed on a piece of paper, um, which somehow translates into these uh, complicated um, things. Yeah, and you can still copy it and so on, uh, which then sounds sounds a bit weird. Yeah. Um, but um, it's not if you really think about it. Can you maybe explain it? Like, how does it work? How does the German vaccination uh, pass work? Well, the, uh, the German vaccination pass is actually uh, something that is not a German invention. It's uh, defined by the European Union uh, because all of the member states um, need to implement it. Um, and I can, can explain how the European Union wants it to be. So basically, uh, when you get your shot, um, you uh, create a little data set 
um, with your personal information, your name and your birth date, for example. And also some information about the actual vaccination, which is, um, I don't know, the, the product uh, of the shot, like a, uh, the, the, uh, uh, the manufacturer, the date when you got your shot, um, which shot in a series of doses it was. This is sim simply a data set. And uh, the EU defines the, the, uh, how, it, how it's then handled. It's basically put into a binary representation. And this binary representation is then signed using a cryptographic key material. So um, when you know the public key, you can verify that it's uh, authentic. And um, then everything is packed up in a little bit of, uh, yeah, let's say magic. Um, it's actually uh, the binary stuff is compressed and then encoded in something called base 45, an encoding I never heard before, but apparently it's very efficient in combination with QR codes. And uh, then you take this text representation base 45 and put it into a QR code and the QR code is printed and then you have your code. Um, so it's like a JW token in a way, which is yeah, it's very similar encoded yeah. and just a bit more, just a bit smaller or... It's probably a bit smaller because uh, JWT is encoded base 64 and uh, it's also uh, represented purely in text and it's not compressed in itself. Um, and it cannot contain as much information in the same amount of data, basically. So it's uh, it would okay. get very big in the end. Okay. And, wh and wh what did you actually do? I mean, <laughs> you're, you're generating those those pictures or... What, what 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 do you actually do? No, I guess you so, you, what, you. so someone someone has to take care of uh, taking the data set and and then creating the actual signed piece of data. So what we do as a service um, uh, to those giving out these vaccination passes is they give us um, the data, we um, transform it, sign it. And then hand back um, something that can be either printed in a uh, in a QR code or uh, printed as a PDF document. So we also create PDF documents. So if I would now, let's say, inspect the traffic of uh, my co German Corona app when I try to get such a certificate, your servers would be involved in a way, and there would be a service no. that no, no. This is all done uh, in the uh, vaccination centers. So um, the Corona, uh, the the app that you use with your uh, with your vaccination pass is basically doing everything on the phone. So um, that's a very important part that the EU defined that they said everything must be verifiable offline. So they uh, these apps basically get the uh, the public keys and verify the signature, and then they pr present you the content of the uh, QR code, the data that's actually in there. Okay, okay. So that you can, like everyone can validate it with, with a phone without an internet connection and so on? Basically, yes. Um, the question is still whether you're allowed to do so, because um, this is uh, kind of uh, a question of jurisdiction. Um, I think... It's probably more relevant um, for people at the border, you know, border control. They will have a, an application that can actually check that the, your QR code is valid. So it's not public. So there's no public app that you can use to verify it. There's an app in the App Store, but uh, I, I'm not sure it's really useful uh, for everyone. 
um, because it's also, you know, you, you check it and it tells you something is valid or invalid, uh, but it doesn't give you much information uh, about um, anything um, related to the actual content of the QR code. Ah, so it doesn't print out the name and the birth date? No, no. Okay. Because the idea behind it is to be as to present as little personal information as possible. Okay. Because I, I was yesterday sitting at the hairdresser and asking him, okay, if I show you my vaccination pass now, what do you do with it? And he said, I don't know. I actually look at it. Um, and if it looks okay, then um, it's okay. <laughs> and I just yeah, thought, yeah, okay. Wouldn't it make sense to have something for, like if I'm a club owner or something um, or restaurant owner, uh, for me to, to validate if it's really like proper? Mm-hmm. I think this is a misconception um, that the EU um, did, didn't define all this um, for the hairdresser next door. Um, the basic idea behind this is to allow free travel in the EU. Um, so what we talked at the beginning about the holiday. Um, and uh, that, that that makes it more much more clear that it's more important when you cross a border and when or when you are checked abroad by police or by by somebody who would like to know whether you are allowed to be there um so it does make sense um uh, that um the verification of these codes is done by an authorized person instead of everybody okay um and in germany the the passes are issued by the vaccination centers that's what you what you just um mentioned Uh, and by by pharmacies, I think. Like in in one of the pharmacies um, close to my, my my where I live, um, there's actually a queue in front of it now, um, like mm. all of the time, <laughs> uh, every day. And I think that's um, because they issue those those uh, certificates, right? Do they have then? Does every pharmacy then have like a, a public key and a private key to to actually sign? Um, or generate uh, the certificates or how does that work? Well, that's, that's one of those questions. I will have to point you to the, uh, the ministry of health to ask these questions, um, how this is actually done. Um, because, um, that these are, that these are the details of the system that, um, unfortunately I, I can't speak about. I mean, we do something similar in a, in a different area. So when you go to your, your hairdresser or to someone, um, you would, uh, or you would like to go to, um, uh, the theater or so, you need probably more than the vaccination pass because it's always the question, is the vaccination pass actually sensible, um, for every use case? Um, very often, because very often it's much more interesting. Are you, uh, well, do you transmit the disease? And um, to check this, uh, it's it's much more useful to do a test. That's why all these test centers are there. Um, and uh, we as a U-Birch, we, uh, we also developed technology also yeah, back last year when the, the whole thing began um, to make these test results verifiable. Um, that uh, And this is much more interesting and to be to also try to make it in uh, a kind of technology or put it into technology that's easily um, verifiable for everyone. Um, so it's, uh, you, for example, if you do a PCR test, um, the lab gives you back a QR code as well. Looks very similar, but it's a little bit different, um, which is then uh, verifiable by everyone. But uh, they just scan the QR code, uh, opens a web page, and then we do some uh, check whether this data that's encoded in the, in the QR code is actually um, a valid test result. Um, this time it's not 
offline uh, not offline capable we do some online check because then it's easier to check whether you know um, we have seen this before was it at the right time and uh, things like this okay interesting um, but coming back to the queue at the pharmacy um, I hope it's not due to the load on your systems that the queue is there <laughs> I can imagine that uh, like especially when launching it that there must have been some 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 heavy load patterns on your systems how did that work out the, the the whole launch i mean it's in a way like in like an event you can't um you can't postpone uh, you can't change the date of that that launch date it must have been like a bit of a scary moment right it is of course um and um of course we scaled the system in a way that we can handle load like this um but uh, but sometimes usage patterns are not foreseeable so it's very, it's very hard. And um, you can imagine, think about how many pharmacies there are in Germany all over the place. And they basically started at the same time <laughs> um, to work with us. And um, But I think the cues are probably more to, to um, being able to handle all these people trying to uh, get their pass. I mean, you only have like two or three people in a pharmacy and they have like 50 people waiting in front. It takes some time to... Um, ask them, check the uh, vaccination pass, the yellow ones, then enter the data and then print it out. That's probably a little longer than it takes for us to actually generate the actual vaccine certificate. So I, are you allowed to tell us how many people per second actually try to or actually get such a certificate? No, I'm not, but I can tell you, which uh, uh, is already known uh, uh, from Merkel, already told us uh, 30 million vaccine certificates were already handed out, over 30 okay. million. So I can imagine that, especially the first days, it was, um, or the, the, the first week, it was a lot, right? I think it's quite a lot for the time being since we started. <laughs> okay, um, so... Um, it's actually an interesting um, thing that you did there um, and the, the, the standards that you used um, uh, for, for example, other use cases like like event tickets, for example, right? Mm -hmm. um, to, to verify event tickets. Do you see that this is like um, a thing that will come, that um, uh, certificates like that are, are being used for or... or, or, or mechanisms like that are being used for for event tickets and so on too i think so like okay i mean um it's 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 something we um we are in talks um with uh, ticket um sales uh, companies because they are of course interested um not only in combination with uh, health passes but also in general so it's always the question you you hand out a ticket you you must make it unique um and and you have to invalidate it as soon as it's used And um, one nice part um, of the technology that we usually use, uh, the blockchain, uh, gives you the ability to actually do so. So you can register something that it's uh, being, um, for example, that I told, uh, sold you a ticket, and then you can run around. And when it's used, we invalidate it by also marking it um, in, in the blockchain. And we have a, a very nice record that this happened. And um, there are also ways to um, make these tickets hard to copy. Um, one way usually is that you have to combine it with personal information. So you have to show your pa your passport or your, your, your Ausweis um, um, or uh, you use a hardware piece um, 
like like a, I don't know an NFC chip or something like that uh, that you bind to the actual ticket, then it's very hard to uh, to actually invalidate um, or copy it and, and and use it twice. Are there other um, other ways too to I don't know have QR codes that change every second or stuff like that? Is that something <laughs> that that makes sense or doesn't doesn't make sense? Now you have to always think about uh, the medium the QR code is on. So a QR code is printed on paper usually. I mean, you can have something that that that, that you have on your phone, but then you need an app, and um, uh, people like a piece of paper in their hand uh, that they can use as a ticket. And then you have to make sure that this is something that you can verify that it's actually the the right thing, even if you copy it. Um, so you have to usually combine it, as I said, with uh, a second factor. Um, in general. Um, What we do with data sets uh, in, in different areas, like in the, in the industry, um, we, we do something similar. So for example, you have a sensor out there. So um, in one case, we did something in the, in the area of um, uh, the insurances. So for example, you have a sensor um, that, uh, that you put in your car and when you drive, it records how well you, you drive, whether you had um, uh, acceleration spikes, whether you had a, a car crash or something. Um, it's very important for one that you know that the sensor data actually comes from this piece uh, of hardware that you have in your car and that it's not modified. And uh, we did that um, in, a, in a case uh, for, uh, for an insurance company to test um, whether they can put it in the car and then um, they all, additionally you had to use your phone next to it and then sometimes it would uh, the phone would query the data from the from the device and that way you, you could verify that the data is actually from this device the device is bound to the user so to, to the driver for example and um, this makes it possible that when something happens you don't have to involve a lot of um, uh, people or experts to actually check that this car crash actually happened or not You can trust the data because you can look at it. You see that, you know, we always record when we uh, saw some data. So it's very hard for um, uh, for the user of this device to actually fake, for example, time. Um, and uh, it makes a lot of processes easier in the industry. Thanks a lot to my friends at Sastrify for sponsoring this episode. A lot of CTOs I know are responsible for procurement of software as a service by accident and never have the time and energy to work on optimizing their costs. For example, at my company OMR, we have a lot of tools. G Suite, Adobe Creative Cloud, New Relic and many, many more. Sastrify helps companies like ours to optimize the costs and negotiate with suppliers of such software. In our case, they helped us to save around 20k per year, which is a lot if you look at our company size of around 150 people. It is a simple and hassle-free process we went through, and I can just recommend anyone listening to do the same. They actually promise to save more money than they cost. They are already working with a lot of AlphaList members, such as Runtastic, Westwing, or Emma. To get started using their services, please visit sastrify.com slash AlphaList. Just check the show notes to get the link. You'll get a 50% discount for the first three months in addition. You mentioned beforehand um, that you typically use blockchain in your projects. Um, and um, like whenever you followed the press, I was a bit um, sad uh, to at a certain time read, <laughs> okay, no, they don't use the blockchain because I thought it's like a perfect use case for blockchain. 
why did you derive from that? Because of the time critical manner or? That's a, you know, um, we developed a project together with uh, our customer and um, why the customer didn't want the blockchain or why he does want the blockchain is up to himself. So this is again a question where you have to ask um, the, our customer, in this case, uh, the ministry, um, why they didn't want to have the blockchain. Um, it's something in the end, we make a suggestion, and uh, but in the end, they have to decide what they would like to do. Um, We never know what, what's going to happen, uh, what's coming up. Uh, in other use cases, we do use the blockchain a lot. Um, in this case, we don't. Okay, but like time-wise, it would have been possible. There's no like extra time that would have gone into the blockchain implementation or... No, because this was uh, technology already in, uh, in place. I mean, um, we had these uh, vaccination passes we did for two um, uh, areas in Germany. And uh, there we basically used this technology. Um, uh, in Altötting, for example, uh, we had a little web uh, form that we pro uh, provided to the people in the vaccination center. They entered all this information that I talked about before. We would take this information, hash it um, together with a salt. Um, so um, it's basically anonymous for us. Um, and this hash is then sent to our backend. And uh, we anchor this information in the in the blockchain and then create out of the actual information in the vaccination center a URL with all the data. So you get a QR code where you actually see all the data that, that's in there. And if someone wants to verify it, um, they decode the URL, uh, create the hash again, and then uh, send it to us. And we tell them uh, a piece of data uh, with the signature so they can do a signature verification. And we also tell them when we have seen it so you know it's actually a vaccination at the right time. Um, uh, and you can check all this uh, and make sh uh, and be very sure that it's uh, the right thing and not something that's faked. Okay, but uh, the blockchain then means like, or the decentral nature of it means that you have like a cluster of computers that uh, host the software and then they they replicate the blockchain um, from each other or how does it? Yeah, the, that's a bit of a misconception that's always coming up uh, in terms of our use of blockchain. So um, we do a mixture that uh, tries to um, use blockchain as a tool. And uh, we do have a few proofs that we, uh, um, uh, that we would like to provide to our customers. One is uh, the data is authentic, so we know where it comes from. That's normal crypto signatures. Um, the second one is that it's unmodified. That's also the signature and the, the normal crypto. Um, then uh, when has this data been generated? Uh, this is something we provide through the blockchain. So basically the data flows into our system. Uh, we only uh, record uh, uh, in our data local database, basically the hash. And then this hash goes together with a lot of other hashes from other customers together in a, in a very big Merkle tree. And the tips of these Merkle trees, the roots of these Merkle trees, those are the ones that are actually ending up in a public blockchain. And that's where also these uh, five blockchains came from. So we don't only um, store these, um, let's say, root, root hashes in one blockchain, but in multiple, because there are a lot of different uh, blockchains out there. Some are very fast, some are very slow, some are very expensive. And uh, we would like to, to be sure that we always have a proof that at a certain point in time, a piece of data was generated. And, um, uh, and uh, additionally, we also have a, a proof of order and completeness. 
that means that um, the data where it's generated is also connected to each other. So each data packet that's generated is then connected to the one before and the one after. Um, and, and all these proofs together, a part of that is the blockchain, a part of that is the crypto that we use in its own. Um, uh, it generates um, basically our business um, towards the, the customer. Okay, so that means that you use public blockchains, so like Ethereum and, and others yes. potentially uh, to, to, to um, actually store those hashes uh, and your private infra to, to store the real content, right? Correct. But we don't, we never see the content of the customer. We always only handle hashes. So the customer is the owner of his data and uh, we only record for him a fingerprint of the data. And we make sure that this fingerprint is then also locked in time and space, basically. Okay. Interesting. If I want to play with that, is that, is it your recommendation too, that I look at um, the whole Ethereum ecosystem or Where do you get, I mean, how to get into that crypto world? I think it's kind of, it, it, it sometimes feels like you're standing in front of a mountain and looking at a big mountain and uh, mm -hmm. not getting, not really getting into it. Um, what is your recommendation? I think the, the best way is to start with actual cryptography. So uh, try to get to know how to create a signature, how to encrypt stuff, how to decrypt stuff, how to verify signatures. And then, and then play with it. Um, things like how to create a connected hash list. That's something uh, that's the, you know, the basic of most of the blockchain and distributed ledger technology is, the, is, is bound on um, actually uh, creating hashes of data, fingerprints of data, and then connecting them to each other. Because when you, when you create uh, one of these linked hash lists, it's very hard to break them without breaking the whole system. And that's, that's basically what, what the blockchain is about. Um, you, if you break one link, you break the whole thing. And that, that, that's why it's so important that you distribute it. So a lot of people have a copy so you can recreate a thing. Um, and you also can detect when something is broken. Okay. And then when, you, when you're there, then you go to the next step and take a look at how blockchain works because uh, a lot of uh, blockchain and distributed lecture technology in the end is a lot of infrastructure, more uh, than the actual uh, crypto in it. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. I mean, it, in a way, it's like a master, master, master replication, like a very, um, very, yeah. very distributed one, right? Um, exactly. And that's when you actually, like for such cases, you actually use it, right? When a lot of people need to write and need to verify um, that, that the information is correct. Um, yeah. So... What is um, then, like, if you, if you look at your company, I, I guess you mostly do consultancy or do you also develop uh, proprietary technology for, for such cases like the test centers and so on? What would you, what you say is your, your secret source as, as you merge? I think the secret source in the end is um, that we provide technology around blockchain, so security as a service. Um, we try to make it easy for our customers to use it uh, without having to think about it. And the magic here is that, um, and, and that's very similar also to the healthcare cases, um, the digitalization in, in healthcare and also in the industry um, is sometimes very difficult because you have a t uh, established data path. So you, there, there's data flowing from A to B in a very hard set uh Uh, way and it's sometimes difficult to actually go in there and say, okay, we have to secure it. We have to add signatures to it. 
it's in, in many cases, it's not possible. So, and, and what we do is we tell our customers, okay, um, you don't actually have to change anything in your data flow right now. All you have to do at certain points where you, where it's important for you, you take these fingerprints of your data. Uh, you get a client from us, a little piece of software that you just put next to it. You look at it, take a fingerprint, send it to us. We make sure that we store that we've seen is that it's unmodified from there on. And then, the, and, the, and when the data flows on at a different point in, in time, when you need to verify it, you could, you then take another piece of software from us and, um, just recreate the hash, the fingerprint from the data and then check whether it's original uh, and, uh, and, and authentic. And the interesting part here is that we basically create some kind of bypass that, that, uh, that, uh, so the security flows outside of the actual data flow system. And you, you always have access to it. So at, at any point in time, you can access uh, the, sec the, the, the security and verify that everything is correct. And the interesting feature of this is that it works over borders. So usually within your own system in a company, mo many of uh, people will say, okay, uh, I'm sure that everything is correct. And uh, when, I, when I have a hacker in my system, I will know. But this is not true, for example, if one company has to talk to another company and if they have to transfer data. So, for example, a manufacturer creates data for the manufacturing of a certain piece of, uh, of product and then they ship it. And they also would like to ship the conditions under which this product was created. Uh, just think of chemical industry. Um, uh, sometimes uh, a, a compound product has to create, be created under a certain pressure and temperature uh, regulation. And um, you have to, and, and this very often this is recorded. Uh, and the record of this, this is something you also give to your customers. And then the customer can take this record and verify that it's actually authentic and, and fits to the uh, to the data uh, at all that they got with the product. And and this is how you know this this is transitive. You can you can do this in in many many steps uh, from there on um, without actually. Um, having a lot of impact on the original data flow, how you trans transported the data before to your customers. So it could make sense uh, to verify vaccination doses as well, not only vaccination. Exactly. Passes, right? Yeah. That, this was actually one of our first ideas. Um, uh, and we talked to the pharma industry as well, because this is a big issue. Um, how do you verify that um, the... Uh, Production of the uh, of the doses is correct. Um, that they have been transported at the right temperature all the time. All this needs to be recorded and and be verified at some point. And um, uh, this is a perfect case for blockchain technology. However, directly using blockchain can be expensive and uh, complicated. And uh, that's why we try to make it as easy as possible by having some kind of um, a simple API that the customer can use. Uh, they just put the data in, and then we take care of everything. Okay, cool. And do you think that this will actually like 10 years from now, where, where do you think we, are, we will be standing with blockchain? Is that, do you think we somehow at a certain time have our passports in a, in a blockchain somewhere? Or like, how, when do you think like adoption will really start for, for, for like government use cases? I think they're already starting. So, um, I mean, we already see a lot of, uh, I mean, at the moment it's pilot projects, um, especially in the area of self-sovereign identity, where this is a very common uh, case. Um, and uh, it's very interesting to see that you don't actually have a, a plastic card anymore as a passport 
or a little booklet, uh, but basically have it on your phone. And then uh, you also have the option to present only the information that you want uh, someone uh, to see. Uh, for example, in my case, it would have been interesting, um, you know, when I when I lived uh, in South Korea, I also had this trip to North Korea. And the problem there is that it's a bit of a complicated thing to explain what you do in North Korea and when you go back to South Korea. So, uh, and it would have been nice to have a, a way to not show that I have a, a, a visa for North Korea in my passport to the authorities in South Korea. Uh, I ended up having two passports, <laughs> which is also a way that you can do. Um, uh, but uh, it's kind of um, it, it, with self-sovereign identity where you where you could show, okay, I'm this person and I'm allowed to be here. Um, I have a visa, then it would be okay. But all the other stuff in my passport would not be visible. That would be a nice thing. And I think this is the perfect use case. So you have your data under your control. You have some markers in a uh, distributed ledger system that prove that this is actually the right thing. Uh, and then uh, you can uh, transmit it whenever you need to um, and you want to. Okay, yeah. I once was experiencing a similar thing when I traveled to Israel. I think um, that is also quite uh, helpful for, for, for that. <laughs> okay. Yes. And um, So it's like 10 years from now, uh, we all have digital passports that are purely digital um, on, on our sure. phones. And, okay. Okay. Yeah, looking forward to that. I mean, still carrying <laughs> all that that paper um, somehow feels weird, right? Um, yeah. So just think of how much stuff you already have on your phone uh, and where you don't use a piece of paper anymore. And this is going forward. And then we will still have. We still need the second factor somehow, right? That will be very important. Yes. Um, and the question is, what will it be? Is it like your face or your fingerprint or something like that? Or what is it ideally from your perspective? I think the, the safest way is still uh, some kind of pin number in your head. It must be long enough, of course, um, because the, there are a lot of technologies that make it possible to use a photo for something like um, so your fingerprint. Sometimes very hard. You have to identify that it's actually a living finger. <laughs> Um, with your face, it's the same. I mean, uh, most phones now have something like a liveness check. So they, they look at whether you are actually a person and not just a photo in front of the camera. Um, and uh, it's a race in the end. It's as secure as it always is. Um, there's a race between those who try to break it and those who try to uh, improve it. Okay. Okay. So stepping back at, at um, your, in a way, um, rat race uh with finishing that this this project is there any favorite failure moment you want to share with us and you are allowed sharing with us any moment where you said oh no this is not gonna happen is was there any 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 moment of course i'm not allowed to talk about it uh, <laughs> but um uh, when you create a system like this, um, it's not always foreseeable uh, what's going to happen. And uh, I mean, it was out there that uh, it didn't always go very round. Um, but most of the time, I'm very happy it just works. Uh, and it's it's running very, very nicely right now. Um, I think uh, we got over the first launch issues that you usually have when you launch such a system that you've never really tried with the amount of data as we have it here before. 
I can imagine it's like um, an event you can't postpone, right? It's um, it, yeah, yeah. In the it's, actually, in the first nights, um, I I couldn't go away from my computer. I just watch the dashboards uh, and see what's happening, uh, whether something breaks. But um, fortunately, it's it's running really really good, so I'm very happy about it. Okay, yeah, great, great, um, and great that you actually help us to travel again. Um, and that's, uh, I think <laughs> my pleasure. Like, at the end, it's a very, it's a very very positive um, project, right? Um, yeah. If 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 it doesn't like fully crash uh, all of the time, and um, <laughs> after a few, you get 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 over the first days of, of, of stress, I think. Yeah. And to be honest, I mean, if you look at it, it's, it's, I think it's a very nice project to show and I don't want to brag, but, um, it's a, it's a project that shows that digitalization in Germany is uh, possible and it, it can be done in a way that just works. I mean, we had the Corona one before, which is a little different because it's, uh, it's, uh, it started as an app. Um, but um, both projects together show very nicely that we can do and improve our healthcare system by digitalization, uh, digitalizing it. Yeah, it still feels like we are sometimes a bit slow or careful with really pushing it in the market then. I mean, with the Corona app, it could have been, let's say, after a few months, we could have been... Um, more more pushy that people actually use it um mm -hmm. but yeah i th i think that's something that hopefully with now having those two projects uh, it hopefully it hopefully helps um for also the government to 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 see that uh, or to have more trust into into such such digital things right um, because it simply makes sense that and it's simply safer than having a sheet of paper um, somewhere in the restaurant, um, for example, Definitely. where people write yeah. on the names and everyone can read it. Um, it, it, it absolutely yeah, makes sense. The, yeah, with a positive feedback uh, from those projects uh, together, I think um, we made a big step forward. Yeah. So the uh, digital health insurance card will come at a certain time. <laughs> I'm sure. I mean, with the, uh, with the beginning of next year, we will have the EPA, uh, the Electronic uh, Patientenakte, the patient record. Um, and uh, many, of, uh, many of the Germans already use it uh, because the, um, the healthcare providers um, are pushing it uh, using their apps. So I think we make progress. Great, great. So um, I still have a little surprise for you. Um, uh, I, I also know your co-founder, um, Stefan. Um, mm -hmm. he's, he's the CEO of your company. Also quite a, quite a nerdy guy, I think. And he gave me a private key um, that I can use to actually generate vaccination passes myself. And I kind of found a hidden feature in your, in your uh, software there. Uh, which is called the time machine feature, um, and uh, we now have the the um, the pleasure to actually test it out um, and um, actually jump back, generate a pa pass that uh, lets us jump back in time for just two months, um, and uh, we now um, have the chance to ob observe yourself coding in a very very early phase, and. Um, like the first version of the uh, vaccination passes uh, and the time machine feature. And you now have the chance to whisper something into your two months younger ears. What would it be? 
Sleep more. What? Eat more or sleep more? <laughs> sleep more. Sleep more. I, I, I need more sleep. Yeah, that's, a, <laughs> that's, that's really the, the thing um, uh, in a project like this um, under such a pressure. Um, it's very important to actually actually eat and sleep more. You know, sometimes I, I forget even eating and then my family just uh, hands me stuff uh, into my office um, so I, I don't starve. Um, and I think many of my colleagues uh, have the same issues. It's it's um, yeah it's uh, un an unfortunate side effect uh, of a pressure with this uh, uh, of a project with this high pressure. So um, thanks a lot, Matthias, for joining me in the podcast. I hope you get enough sleep now and you're 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 able to eat a bit more uh, again. Um, and um, yeah, looking forward. Uh, which crazy crypto projects you're, you're up to soon and um, how, how Uberge develops. So um, fingers crossed for the future. Um, maybe you do the um, E-Personalausweis at a certain time or something like that. <laughs> Looking forward to that. Fingers crossed and uh, talk to you soon. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Bye.